the clap website. I yeah, I. It's where you get the. I always use like funny clap. names for it, like clap website or clock dot clap or. But but the problem with that is, as I'm saying that, I also start typing in clap into my search <laughs> bar. So. I wonder what is on clap dot com. Let's find out. <laughs> It's for sale. We could buy oh this domain. <laughs> mm. Oh my god! But we are outside of Sweden, so one hundred thousand US dollars. Wow! <laughs> oh, it does say offer minimum. All right, we'll start the Quoth Killer Patreon so that we can own Clock.com in twenty twenty five. What is? Can I search for Clock.clap? <laughs> is there a dot clap domain? <laughs> I can't believe you can sell a domain name for a hundred thousand US dollars. I've written an episode summary. Um, I can't I read the book very long a time ago, so I can't remember much of it, but we're gonna we're gonna do Mm. it. I read it mostly in an audiobook and I think I was zoning out at certain points, so (laughs) that's fine. I I read it and uh, it it like kinda went out in one ear and out the other like immediately. Um, it's just it's really a text mechanism or... that you need to pass through your body just like a nice stick of celery um, let's clap before we get into it please um, yeah, yeah. This don't like put this part in don't put the part in where we all admit to not reading the book <laughs> <laughs> Do like an intro, introduction, into saying our names and shit. Oh fuck! Yeah, this is a podcast. Hi, uh, Sarah. She, her pronouns. Uh, vaguely both pilled. Uh, Daniel from the top. Uh, that's Daniel. He, him pronouns. Uh, Who uh, next? Just black pilled generally. I think oh, yeah. uh, about <laughs> literature. <laughs> I'm Janosh. Uh, he slash they pronouns. I picked up a new one since the last recording. Um, Hell yeah. Katamari Themacy. <laughs> also known as uh, Tarbean Dad, also known as your middle ass brother, Trappis McElroy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lucy. Lucy? Well, we find Lucy Summer. Uh, I'm Summer. My pronouns are she and they. And I'm allegedly the furthest quotes pilled. We'll see. <laughs> we will see. Okay, Quick. thank God. Ah, <laughs> we hear you. Sorry about that. Has everybody else gone? Yeah. Okay, um, I'm Lucy. Um, I'm here. I'm she here. And I am... Um, uh, I'm, I've read some of this book. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> Round of applause. <laughs> I don't know if we I should. I'm are at some I, of this book. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think. think I've become both pilled, so mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. not based, but. <laughs> mm. All right. Okay, I'm gonna get on with my summary. Yeah. Mm. <sighs> okay. Podcasters, listeners, welcome to the Waystone Inn. Let's meet our cast of characters. There's the innkeeper Coat. He's assistant Bast. There are the people of the town of 
Nowhere, 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 nowhere. Debate side on that. Janet can give us the feedback from the audio book. No, I don't. What's like nowhere? What? Nowhere. Um, I do have a pronunciation guide in my version of the book. If you're ever interested. What a fucking talk! Put in a pronunciation guide in your own book. There's an introduction to it too. Unironically, Georgia and Martin should have done that. Because the audiobook reader for A Song of Ice and Fire says things like Brian and Pataya. Listen, I can't say anything because I own the entire ass dictionary of the Wheel of Time books. It's like the biggest Wheel of Time book is just the dictionary of all the words. Anyway, I'm going to finish my summary real quick. So, Coat serves drinks to people. He's depressed. He keeps dropping hints about a mysterious past. His assistant, Bast, fucks. Chronicler is here. Chronicler is a guy who chronicles stuff. He comes up to Coat and he's like, hey Coat, I've been picking up hints about your mysterious depression past. Please tell me about it. Coat is like, no. Chronicler is like, please. Kvothis, the people have to know. Kvothis is like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And then proceeds to be like, really, 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 really anal about telling it just right. So, he tells us his story. He was in a troupe of travelling performers. An old guy taught him sympathy, which is a type of magic. The old guy leaves. The entire troupe gets killed by some creatures called the Chandrian. Sorry, I'm reading my notes. Because Kvothis' dad wrote a story... Kvothis uh, lives in the woods for a bit, doing nothing but playing the lute. Eventually he goes to the city to buy new lute strings. Five minutes after entering the city, all of his possessions are stolen, and he becomes a street urchin for the next three years. End of summary. We read up to this end of chapter 25. Hell yeah, we did. Um, mo- motion to the parliament I, uh, to uh, refer to the Chandrian as the Blue Man Group. <laughs> <laughs> uh, seconded. Just the others. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. That's what they are. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, it's just, it's canon. It's just straight canon. <laughs> so I don't know how we want to start, but can I can I start with just a, a quick, uh, a very quick anecdote that'll lead into I think how I'm experiencing this novel thus far. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go for Please. it. Um. So I was I was at a reception at Johns Hopkins and um, I had just finished teaching this course on Tolkien and I got like really great reviews. I got like a, I was a finalist for like a teaching award. Just the kids liked it. They're all nerds. So they wrote me good reviews and we're at this like reception at the end of the year. And one of the, one of the professors in the department comes up to me and he's a great guy. He's like, you know, short King, like five foot four. Um, and he's like three or four glasses of wine in. And he, he turns to me and he goes, Daniel, congratulations on your success. But I got a question for you. And I go, yeah. He goes, now I, I, I study the novel. And I go, yeah. He goes, I've read a lot of novels. I go, yeah. Goes, so it's like token good. And he goes, no, 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 seriously. Like I get he's important and all this sort of stuff. But like, is it act? Is, is he actually good? Like, do you have a take on this? Can you help me work through this? Because I feel like I've been gaslighted for my entire life, mm. and I, I don't, the, I don't fully agree with his Tolkien critique. But like reading this book, I just felt like him the whole time, a little drunk and a little like, is it good? And the answer I think is uh, no. But that 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 sort of confusion of like, uh, is it? it is this it? Is this is this the thing? Is mm-hmm. it, are we doing it? 
Um, so just, yeah. that, that's been my experience. I don't know about the rest of you. <laughs> well, this is my first time reading this. Um, uh-huh. So and you have been uh, like pre uh pre blackbird I think. I was. I did come into this not with a clean slate to yeah. be honest. I had some preconceptions. Um I am not sure that they've been disproved particularly. Um mm-hmm. although it's hard to say thus far, thus far. It's hard um, to say. <laughs> I I do have like a lot of notes with um the themes I think are coming through. Um Uh-huh. Because mm-hmm. there's this one, I mean, we I don't know how we want to structure it, but there's this one bit where it just reads like a sort of Reddit copy pasta. Um, <laughs> Was that the fucking first page? Uh, yeah, it's quite a lot of the bits yeah, where yeah. he's the, just the talking is, about himself. <laughs> I have literally no idea. There's like 10 different sections I have in mind from the first 25 chapters that you could be referring to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just, I think, maybe the most condensed paragraph that would would sum it up that way but um yeah that is kind of the the beginning of this at least <laughs> yeah um in terms of structure like i did the summary so we could just fucking jump around um like no order yeah. all chaos I will, I will just throw in like one more thing that i think i only discovered after we did our first intro episode because mm-hmm. after that like i was still reading like some stuff about actually two things First thing, it's apparently called the King Killer Chronicle, not Chronicles. No I, way. That fucks with my mind so much. <laughs> this is some bear saying bear shit. What are you talking it's, about? It's true, yeah. It's, oh, I guess it is just the singular. one chronicle. <laughs> it's one chronicle singular. <laughs> it's just, it's it's so, just so hard to compute in my brain. You get one. <laughs> Uh, this is like when I found out. I mean, it's not quite the same, but this is like when I found out Weatherspoons is Weatherspoon. Uh, what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Weatherspoons. It's Weatherspoon. It's just one. Is it? There's one spoon. Did you just get one? I worked there for a year and a half. Yeah, I believe it's... you. You worked there, but oh, shit, it's JT Weatherspoon. Fuck. It's just one. Yeah, Jesus. just the one spoon. There's only one spoon. Um, plus, uh, um, so speaking of bars and pubs, does anyone yeah. have anything to say about the our, the Waystone Inn or uh, Oh, I was just going to say the second thing I was going to say earlier before oh, yeah. I remembered the Chronicle thing. The, Sorry, the I got other really excited I because say... I, I saw a good segue and I had to steal it. But let's <laughs> return to it and go back to your thing. The other thing I was going to say that might like give us at least some start in uh, what to think about this book is that I found like one quote on the Wikipedia for this book that says um, I'm paraphrasing here but it it's basically Patrick Rothfuss said that he set out to do a story that is unlike any other book, a completely new kind of fantasy. I have read A Wizard of Earthsea and he is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Literally, okay, literally, not to start talking about themes, um, I don't know, 20 minutes into the podcast or whatever, but that <laughs> seems especially weird in that this is, const- like, this <clears throat> text is constantly referencing stories of being like, hey, you heard, y'all heard of stories? This is all about <laughs> that. We love stories. I'm going to tell you one, and then I'm going to tell you another uh-huh. one inside the other one, and there's going to be, like, 50 million layers of stories, and it's all going to be about stories. So to say that, like, this is different, and this is not like a story. I'm like, mate, what? I've 
I'm reading the book. Like, that's not homey. The only thing I could think of is, like, maybe the character of Quoth. I can't really think of a whole lot of characters like him, but I also haven't read a million books, so... Yeah, yeah. For for Quoth, I don't know if we said this last episode or if it's something that I read later. But for Quoth, he was like, th- there's also a quote on that on Wikipedia where he's like, uh, "Well, I was trying to make a cool guy uh, <laughs> who can fight, but who can also sing, mm-hmm. uh, but who is also good at like these other things." Like he was just trying to. He just put on everything that you thought can be cool about the character in one character. <laughs> I I just I, the idea of uh, sitting down to write a book and being like, I just want to, I just want to invent a new kind of guy who's really cool, <laughs> and that's his. It's a new guy just drop. <laughs> yeah, true. yeah. Um, honestly, I kind of like Kvos as a character. There has no restraint, and like I no, I kind of gotta respect it. <laughs> There's something about I, it. Yeah, you could have not done these things, but instead you did them, and yeah, I'm reading it. I I can see that, um, and like this was most of what we talked about last episode. I think mm-hmm. I can totally see that the, respecting that. Like I I, I respect that the, in theory, but I still like mm. there were bits where I was thinking I just fucking hate this guy. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think the thing is, like, the bits of this book that I enjoyed the most were the bits where he wasn't having to, like, talk to anybody. Yeah. Or, yeah. or like, ex- explain about how cool he was. Like, the bits I enjoyed were where he were, was, like, alone in the woods or um, alone on the streets. And I was like, these are cool bits. I like this. And then it flips back to the, the pub and he's like, um, I am slayer of dragons or whatever <laughs> so yeah. that's like I think we could talk about that a bit in particular because there's like the most insufferable like page and a half of words that I've ever read in my entire life is mm-hmm. when Chronicler kind of finally winkles Kvoth out of coat and like he kind of switches from coat mode to Kvoth mode and like <laughs> becomes like goes from being like a vaguely depressed guy to absolutely insufferable in about a page and a half and yeah. it's like he goes I'm going I'm, to I'm, become the Kvotha I mean <laughs> I, I mean that's pretty relatable that's that that was for me was the most relatable idea like going immediately from depression to just being an absolute twat like that's me at the bar yeah like that's like hour in a few drinks in <laughs> I, I do understand that I, I still kind of hated, like, not to jump ahead, but I still kind of hated how he, like, learned stenography in 15 minutes. And Oh, my God. <laughs> I think those kinds of moments where, like, where he's really unsufferable, it makes the tragedies that he goes through a little bit more fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can you can see him suffer and like, yeah. all right, now I've forgiven you for the way you were talking to that person. <laughs> and we oh, can move fuck. On. Oh shit. Oh no, I've just noticed part of my notes. Um <laughs> part of this part of my notes that says Kvoth dot 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 Oikawa. Oh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Say more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I don't I just I don't think you need to. So yeah, so like he he learns an alphabet in fifteen minutes, and just it's like I can just imagine Rothfuss in his little like study being like, mm, okay, I need a way to show that this guy is a McFucking genius. How am I gonna do it? All right, okay, and just 
just kind of vomits onto the page. <laughs> I and like and he's he's got that like Sherlock problem right, with it with Benedict Cumberbatch where he's just like yeah, I'm I'm really smart like trust I'm not gonna show you I'm just gonna kind of like you know go like mind palace mode and all of a sudden I, I figured something out like quotes is the same thing right so it's not like like he does anything clever there's not like some like moment that he has to solve there's not even like a a, a problem that like you know Patrick Rothfuss could have like a riddle or something that he could have written to like and work out how, you know, here's how Quoth figured out the correct solution. I mean, we'll get some things later on where he's, like, you know, being a little clever boy. But, like, for at least the first part of the book, it really is just, like, in in the universe of the story, like, when he's telling what happened, every moment is just, is, is, is uh, compressed, right? Everything happens in a matter of minutes and seconds. And part of me wants to go, like, oh, this is a good capturing of, uh, what it feels like to remember learning stuff. Like, I, I feel like I learned addition in, like, a minute, but, of course, it was, like, over two years when I was, like, six, right? Uh, but on the other hand, like, it, it really does feel like folks just saying, like, no, I I I was the best. I mean, I really I really was. I got, I got ganked early on in a city full of shitheads, but, like, you know, if, if, if that didn't happen, man, I would have been, like... Uh, you know, Tom Bombadil in two years or something. Like, you know. Yeah. I mean, but like, honestly, like him saying that about like the way he learned as a child. Okay. I'm fine with that. Uh, really like the, the more annoying part for me was like old quote in like the way stone in, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's like that, that kind of like annoyed me more because it was th- that, that was meant as objective, right? Like for the, for the things he recounts, you could be like, okay, maybe he didn't learn that fast or whatever. It's like, you know, the way he tells his story. But like, it, it, Patrick basically like went ahead and showed us already before he got to Cole's story. Like he, it, sorry to keep getting back to the stenography part, but like that, that was such a standout to me where he was like, there's this guy, Chronicler, who knows something. He, story man. Story man. <laughs> Uh, Rothfuss standing, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) There's this guy who who can do something Quoth can't. Uh, And then Quoth just leans in, looks at what he's doing, and is like, "Mm, aha, mm, I see. Very clever. And then he can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 Mm. um, One of the first notes I made in this book was that the very first word we hear Quoth speak out loud in this book is actually. And I just think that's really good. <laughs> very telling. Actually. Yeah. Actually. Let me... Yeah. Actually. It's um actual. No, it, it's it's I think I think Actually I, mean, I have it... stolen princesses back from sleeping Barrow Kings. Uh <laughs> Yeah. Well 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 said. Uh, well said folks. No, I, I mean this is this is the other thing where it's like I the actually tone. I mean that's if, if we had to sort of set a tone for for quote coat in the waist. I mean actually is like the perfect word for it, right? It because it, because yeah. that's what he keeps pulling like like he'll keep pulling us out of the narrative in these moments to kind of tell yeah. us how to engage with what's about to come, right? Like like he he'll sort of say like ah I'm about to tell you something sad. I'm about to tell you like oh it's gonna be really heavy. Or like near the end of the section we read, like that to me was like the most striking section of the whole part that we read, uh, for just like how telling it was, because like what happens is right he he 
has this moment, right, where he's established, like, I'm super smart, smartest kid. I was going to be, like, the best bard ever if, like, my parents didn't get ganked by the Blue Man group. And, like, <laughs> like I, you know, I was set to be number one. I was trained by this guy. And then everything went wrong. And I was even able to survive in the forest for a while. And then I went into the city and I became like a Dickensian child. And if you're reading that, your proper response is exactly what Bath's response is, right? Like, why didn't you just leave the city? Like, you obviously were fine <laughs> not being in a Dickens novel and you could leave at any time. And both had to, you know, man, that's a, that's a great point, Cinema Sins. Uh, let me, let me, let me answer it. Um, I, I, it's a good point. I was a creature of habit. I, I just felt, I just felt like, I, I, just, I was just like, I was kind of vibing in this city where the children Simply were weeping. And it's just like, but like, that's how it goes. Like, you can't just have, a, you can't even just have Rothfuss transition into like the urban medieval, you know, setting for a little bit. He has to like justify wise character does it like in case anyone's like uh quoth would never stay in the city he would have gone like has to actually have a moment where he takes this out of the story and says no no no, don't worry this is actually really smart and a deep insight into character psychology it's like yeah yeah okay that, thanks pat like that that's the pat moment like quoth in the waystone is patrick that's that's my like that's my take and it's just like shut up I don't care about your your OC anymore. Keep going. Sorry, I ran right, <laughs> Do you all ever feel like tabletop games were a mistake? <laughs> Because this this book is like such a prime example to me in how the way D&D campaigns uh, are structured uh, would end up like influencing a generation of fantasy writers and I'm not sure I like it. Like the I think like this like Th there being like these mini arcs where like for a bit it's like Bildungsroman and for a bit it's like uh, him in the wilderness and then it's like him in a Dickensian novel and then later it's gonna be like him in Harry Potter like that's that's such a D&D thing <laughs> so I I have a note in my notes that says this book is if every single backstory possibly available to a fantasy protagonist <laughs> all happened to one person <laughs> in sequence I was like kind a of checklist. The first time I read it, I was thinking of it sort of like this is the backstory of like one of those super ultra legendary people that you hear about. And usually they're just like, well, they're surrounded by mystery. No one knows where they came from. But we have like a backstory for this one, which is why it's just jumping all over the place, trying to fit in as much as it can. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm, um, I, I'm sorry, I'm still stuck. I'm, I'm like on the page that it is to me the most like copy pasta page um <laughs> makes me think the most of the what the fuck did you just say to me you little shit navy seal copy pasta <laughs> um, but please no, read up to us please Wait, what, what page what page real quick it's page 53 Thank you. it's uh basically the last like i mean the whole page really but <laughs> mostly the last paragraph but i'm also really stuck on like the third last paragraph where he says my first real lover call me do later and i'm gonna level with you do later sounds <laughs> do later just sounds like a specific brand of vibrator <laughs> it's the greatest yeah there's like yet, then. <laughs> There's like already hints in here where uh where they're like Patrick Rothfuss's weird stuff with women doesn't 
come across that strongly yet. <laughs> because we haven't met a female character besides Crow's mother. I still have some stuff to say about it, but yes. <laughs> but yeah, that was what I was gonna say. Like the, the there's still like three or four times where it peeks through and it's so uncomfortable every time. Like Yeah. It's it's a the, it's a lot hornier than I remember it being. <laughs> there's like a bit where he goes on about how the feeling of like being really good at learning is just like sex. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, remember that. No, I noted that one down because it made it reminded me of um, Terry Pratchett actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> the whole idea of like doing a spell is like um, like the feeling after doing a spell is like the feeling after having sex uh, or swimming, and I was like, oh damn. <laughs> um, but that like that's a that's a thing in fantasy, I guess. Though I was I was thinking about this yesterday, and like you have like fantasy generally written by guys, and the whole like who literally using like phallic objects and stuff like maybe not so much in this with the loop but like with wands and staffs and stuff and it's all about power and then you you do the power and then you feel the post-coital feeling um which is really common and stuff and i i thought it was interesting that it popped up in this i can't wait to see how that develops do you want to finish your copy pasta uh, comment? Because I'm looking at this paragraph now, and it's like, like, one hundred percent. This is copy pasta. <laughs> it's so long. I'll just go. I'll just go from the last. <laughs> I have stolen princesses back from sleeping barrow kings. I burned down the tower of Trebon. I have spent the night with Felurian and left with both my sanity and my life. I was expelled from the university at a younger age than most people are allowed in. I tread paths by moonlight that others fear to speak of during day. I have talked to gods, loved women, and written songs that made the minstrels weep. You may have heard of me. And then he, he winks, at the, he does the DreamWorks face. <laughs> so... Yeah. Reddit copypasta is like one, one good comparison. It also sounds like, like a trailer quote. Yeah. I mean, li- li- like literally, that is the exact quote that's on the back of my copy. Oh my god, uh-huh. that's the blurb. It's literally yeah, it's right, on the back it of the book. It's probably too. in like the front of the book, in like a little page for no reason. You know, when books have that, it's probably yeah. there. You guys oh are gonna god. love what I have in my fancy version. Oh. It's like a huge, like script writing in the front of the like board of the front page. I'll post a picture. It's ridiculous. It- it feels like Pat wrote this paragraph and then was like, well, shit, I need to write a book so I can put it in somewhere. <laughs> oh my God, so, I'm looking so, at the things Sam posted. This is incredible. Yeah, this is insane. <laughs> See, but uh, so let, I want to come back for a moment. I don't, I don't like, I don't like thinking about what like novels could have been or something. I think that's not useful. But this, I, I think all, I like just reading thus far, because you know what you say is right. That there's this is like the the um, Dragon Age uh, origins, all the all the opening storylines you could have done. You just start re- you restart the game every time to play the new one. Now I'm going to play the Elf Rogue. Now I'm going to play the Wizard Tower or whatever. And uh, but like imagine what this could have been like in you know if Brandon Sanderson, right, a good fantasy writer, uh, actually decided to like write this quote story, right. And he's like, you know, I'm going to start a story where I have a character who, through happenstance outside of control, essentially recreates some very common, if not like the archetypical 
beginnings of uh, character development, like the beginnings of the fantasy buildings we're on, right? And how, like, you could think of how that would actually affect somebody, right? Like, how would it, how would it feel to be, like, you know, uh, a kid who's going through all these sort of different, and almost, like, conscious of it, like, being an adult remembering and realizing how your life was, like, stutter starting for a while there. And, like, the, the, you can imagine just, like, different reflections on even, like, the fantasy genre as a whole, right? But instead, this is what I do when I'm a DM and I don't know what to do next. I, like, crack open, like, a random fantasy book and just go, ah, oh, this one's about... Yeah. Uh, City, right and now we're now we're in a city because i just don't know, I don't know how the story goes and like it, you just have this moment of like it, you know i know that like the big meme thrones is like themes are for book reports like it, it really feels like like in these just first these first 25 chapters rothfuss just like is so unaware of of how trite he's being how absolutely like just just uh not even boring, but like like just aggressively like uninteresting in ways that you kind of want to shake and go, dude. Like, j- just just acknowledge that you're working off of like the shoulders of giants or others that came before you, yeah. And think about that, right? And and, and you kind of want to shake. I mean, there's, there's it's bringing it to the quote that uh, uh, you brought us to to begin with, Yanos. Like, uh, or one of the quotes you brought us to begin with, like a whole new thing. Like, if you didn't think you were doing a whole new thing, you actually probably would have had a much better story. Like just to start out with, that's <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, should we talk about like because because this this bit that we read has like roughly three bits, I guess, right? Like so, there's the first. <laughs> oh, like themes. <laughs> oh, I, 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 did, like, I mean, just like just like structurally, right? Because first we have like the um, the waystone and stuff, which is like <laughs> the uh, how do we call it? What's what's the word for that? Not not a meta story, but it's like the uh, frame story. The framing story, yeah. So we have that, and then we have like the bit where he's with his family, which is like basically his happy times, I guess. You know, where he's learning with a empathy, uh, and Obi-Wan then fucker. like there's the bit <laughs> after yeah, his. Family. He literally calls him Ben. Like, like ben. literally, like yeah, yeah I learned from Ben. Kenobi. He's literally Ben Kenobi. See, I keep yeah, going. That's... Sorry. I, I was thinking that too like uh, and and then like after that it's like when he's on his own and uh after his family died so let's let's i guess talk about just the waystone and stuff how i how do you like that yeah i um i have like a, not a lot of notes like and this applies to the whole book as well but starting with the Waystone Inn, like the first page where uh, our friend Patrick describes the Waystone Inn and what the room is like, none of the there words. Are three types of silences. None of the words. <laughs> I'm reading the words on those pages, and none of these words mean anything. But like <laughs> all together, I feel like a vibe, and I'm like, yeah, this is writing. Sure. <laughs> but like you look at all the individual words and they are completely meaningless. Like the sentence the the ends that opening page is like, oh, it's the cut flower sound of a man waiting to die. Like that means nothing. But I'm looking at it <laughs> like abstract great. art and I'm just like <laughs> nodding. I'm like, yeah. It's kind of ironic <laughs> because there's like a part in the book where Quoth goes on about like 
poetry without music is like totally useless and I don't think he ever backs down on that opinion but like the way he talks is just poetry without music um, that's a, that's exactly Janos's uh, thoughts about poetry as well <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean yeah poetry without music by like most people who are poets like by most, most poets like, like he speaks like a poet who is really into the fact that they're a poet um, but, like, what I wanted to say about the Waystone Inn is that, like, I, like the fucking town is called Nowhere. It's Nowhere. Um, but, like, the chapters in the Waystone Inn have this certain vibe to them. Like, the colour of them is grey and, like, very, like, desaturated. And, like, I have no idea which, the what of the, what of the words that are in the text make this happen. But, like, there is a very distinct feeling to the Waystone in chapters, which, like, completely switches whenever he goes fucking Joker mode, aka both mode. <laughs> um, Interesting. Like, I know, that that's how I feel about the Waystone in chapters. Like, they just have this certain vibe, and I don't know what it is about it, and it's kind of meaningless. But it's that's what's interesting about the, that part to me. Yeah, I agree. Uh-huh. I agree. I, sure. What is up with the number three? Did anybody? <laughs> <laughs> is that is that like a number that people use? I mean, it's supposed to be three days that they're yeah they're telling the story. Like that, I basically when I was reading this, I was there like I put on my um, Ace about head and I was like, okay, I'm gonna look for some symbolism here. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna underline any numbers in this text that I see. Oh, no. <laughs> and it turns out that the number three is on like. Almost every page. Um, you see, every, everything's coming in threes. Mm. And I think this is why people bully him online about there not being a book three. Because yeah. it, <laughs> isn't, the entire theme of this book is three of them. And then he only wrote two yeah. books. And, like, <laughs> and he's gonna write a third, I guess. Like, like He does say he's gonna, like, quote does say he's gonna finish the story in three days. Which so is I really, guess. it's kind of funny in, like, a self-aware way, because there's just absolutely no way you could say all this in one day. Mm-hmm. Wait, well, I, I yeah, didn't even absolutely. know that. I, I didn't mind that. Yeah. I, I thought that was, like, I don't mind that kind of, like, hand-waving. <laughs> I think that's funny. Yeah. Like, I, that's genuinely, I'm cool with that. Um, I think, like, I feel like to, to, because I don't want to come across as more of a hater than I am. Like, I did enjoy these 188 pages or like uh, I, I was mostly listening to the audiobook and I will shout out the audiobook narrator is doing a pretty great job most of the time uh, he does a lot of accents and a lot of voices um, there's a bit later on where someone tells a story and within the story like that that guy it's um, it's it's Trappist when the Trappist tells a story he already does a funny accent for Trappist and then within that accent and within that voice, he still does like different voices for the other characters. So that was fun. Mm, that's nice. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, but I, like, yeah, I, I was having like I was enjoying this book. It's just overall, it's still so flavorless to me. Like it's, it's, it's to me, it's like an a, a read that you can like enjoy as long as you don't like step away from it and try to examine the specific parts, right? Like for the Waystone Inn, for example, it's it does have a vibe. I I won't deny that. Um <laughs> you do feel like you're inside an inn, but at the same time it also just feels like 
every single inn I have been in in a Dungeons yeah. and Dragons campaign. Yeah. No, it's, 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 I think, and I'm almost positive this is pre, predates Skyrim, but I mean, it feels like every inn in Skyrim, like literally all of them. Um, I'm not saying that he's ripping off that or ripping off that at all, but I'm saying like the default uh, inn in a, you know, slightly Northern European y vibe of a place is exactly this. So, I mean, I, I, mm -hmm. I agree with the whole, like, I, I, when I enjoy this book, I enjoy it like I enjoy grinding and that like my mind just turns off and then at some point I like <laughs> reach a chapter end and I and I like have done the, you know, grinding mission for today. Um, but it's like, again, it, like, okay, like, like I said, like Sanderson wrote this, like, but if, uh, I, I figured if someone brought up Pratchett, there's a Pratchett part, like, if Pratchett wrote this, it'd be better, right? Like, there's the section, because there's like, away from the waist down in for a second, right? There's this section where like the the blue man group is sitting around the fire and and little and little and little baby both comes up and is like goo goo gaga mommy daddy are dead what happened and the the like, one really ooh, the, the 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 big ooh, the bad guy he's like oh you're a baby this your parents fire baby and then like evil man right like who who uh, I think I think his hint at is like a demo roof. I remember right or something, something like that. Like he's one of the big heroes turned evil. We get that in Tarbian, I think. Um, Lord Haliax, and uh, he's like in italics, which is how you know he's <laughs> um, in italics. He like is like uh, who who are you? It's like oh, I'm your servant. You and they, like ramble on for a while. So just real quick side anecdote: uh, when Stephen saw and I was writing Sweeney Todd. Uh, originally, it, it didn't have the song "Wait" in it, which is which is where um, Mrs. Lovett essentially says, "Listen, you're gonna love just like take your time with your revenge. You're gonna enjoy it more." And the reason Stephen Sondheim put it in is because one of his like friends who came to see the show like in its early stages, like, dude, I cannot get out of my head why Sweeney does not literally just like slit his throat immediately. Right, like, like you got it. You got to put something in here to like explain why he doesn't immediately do it. You have to give him some reason. But like, instead of that, this this book constantly has this like the quality of you know, like you turn the TV on at the right moment, the sitcom, and they're talking about like you know the stupid thing your character your, your characters did a few minutes ago. Right, it has this quality of like impossibly timing or like oh you know they they have this like back and forth this like three stooges back and forth where like Moe's slapping them around like oh you know you're my servant buddy boy uh <laughs> just long enough so that like they don't they don't kill folk right mm -hmm. and like this keeps happening in a way that like again if, pra if a pratchett like writer did it, it would be hilarious right? it would be it would be legitimately funny slapstick it'd be like oh it just keeps happening like this but like Roth was like legitimately bleasy, like building up tension. Like, are they gonna kill both? What's gonna happen here? Ooh, I'm give, they're, they're talking about parts of their evil. Oh, he's there in line with each other. Ooh, this is big. Like, and you just have these moments where you're just like the artifice of it, which the artificiality of stories can be a lot of fun sometimes. But like the artifice of it just feels so fake because they're trying. This is ultimately campy. This is failed uh, uh, seriousness, right? This this is a campy story. It doesn't know it's campy, right? And it, it is very unaware of that. I will say he does like Patrick does seem to have sort of the Christopher Nolan disease of trying to like inter <laughs> like inject humor into his writing and kind of not uh -huh. really making it all the way there. <laughs> like this would be a lot better with some like genuine humor, but he's, yeah. he's doing his best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, but I like I, I think that the the um, 
the Waystone Inn also sort of suffers from, I don't know about Christopher Nolan disease, but sort of like auteur cinema director disease, where there's just like this really, really, really slow intro section that kind of makes you really bored, and they're doing it on purpose. They're like trying to see how bored and sort of depressed they can make you just to like set your vibes up for the rest of their their film to like oh prep you for the exciting parts that are going to be in the rest of their film Um, yeah Yeah, i genuinely thought like the first like 15 or 20 pages were like really a chore to get through uh from the point that chronicler shows up it's fine like then it's the chronicler chapter is like genuinely a delight yeah. To read. Yeah. The, the like, that beautiful day one where he gets like robbed and then he's like, ah, but actually I've kept secret money away. I liked that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, again, I've written down that like the coat chapters are completely grey and then the chronicler chapters come in and they're just like this wonderful golden colour <laughs> and you're like, oh, some sunshine. The story man is here. He's going to write down a story. Which is like, yeah. it's very, you know, it's, it's effective vibes. I think like this whole the whole my whole takeaway from rereading these first twenty five chapters is that Patrick is very good at providing you a vibe. Um, That's true. But like, as long as you don't look at what the pieces of the vibe are made <laughs> up of, it's like a really good vibe, and you can vibe with yeah. it. I and I think like the the oh sorry no no, no you you first you first mine mine derails this thread a little so you go <laughs> oh yeah no mine was connected to it a little bit and in, in so far as that. Once again, to the thing of him saying he wants to create a new kind of story is weird to me in a way that the parts of the story I most enjoyed were the ones where I was like, okay, this taps into a very, very familiar cliche, but it's a one that I happen to enjoy. (laughs) So like, I... I don't mind. Like I, I really enjoyed the the whole Ben Kenobi stuff, mm-hmm. right? Even though it's clearly like old man Ben Kenobi, but that's that's a cliche I like. So <laughs> I like hanging out with I him. I do. I do want to talk a bit more in depth about some of the teaching stuff. Um, but Lucy, what were you gonna say? Or if you weren't finished, Janish? Um No, I think like that's <laughs> that's that's basically it. Okay, it might not be. It might not be. A, a, the best time to bring this up I was just thinking about like um, the Christopher Nolan disease again um, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it kind of comes into the teaching but it's like the book that he takes of them to the city being called Rhetoric and Logic um, did <laughs> mm-hmm. it made me <laughs> made me chuckle but I think the thing with the, the teaching in this and we were talking about like earlier both going up to the fire pit and being like oh where am- this are my parents but he never I don't think he ever acts like a child um, yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's one scene in this where I buy that he's a, a an 8 year old and I know that he's like um, he's the sort of Jesus character in this or whatever <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I have to believe even Jesus had like a, a what is object permanent stage you have this like um little eight-year-old boy being like yes i can grasp the deep concepts of the universe and i hate being patronized and it's like mm-hmm. well n- <laughs> yeah you're well, just not it, a kid though what's insufferable is that he's always right right like that's yeah. a totally little kid thing of like i don't like being patronized don't, don't, don't do but the fact that he's actually correct right like like well, he, like kids always think that like you know 
they don't need help with something. Oh, I know how to tie my shoe when they're obviously like messing it up over and over again. But like the, that's the thing, the kid, they're messing up. Whereas like both doesn't, right? Like the, well, the think, kid think, is actually. Yeah, like I was the, about to say the same somewhere. What was that? Oh, oh I, I was, thought you were, fuck who said that? It was me. Oh, I, shit. I was just going to jump in because um, there is one bit where he does mess up and he nearly busts his lungs or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But he does still Which bit is that? grasp what he does wrong like where he tries to call the wind um but he like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah he like ties his lungs to the breeze or something um i'm a little loose on the concept of sympathy to be honest um oh, that's that's name calling <laughs> yeah i think I we'll learn more yeah. about it in the university chapters right but like, or, definitely yeah, yeah. I, I do kind of want to talk a bit about sympathy but first like i want to say like again quotes Kvos is never allowed to have like a normal fuck up. Mm-hmm. No, you know, yeah, it's his always fuck like, up is oh, that he... he he's too godlike. He becomes too close to God. Yeah. That's his fuck up. He's too good. <laughs> um, too perfect. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's it's like again, the series is called the King Killer Chronicles. One assumes that Kvos may commit regicide at some point in the future. We'll probably never know. But like, it's just like because <laughs> he, he yeah. Pat, I think what Pat is maybe trying to do is be like, oh, this. This is just a kid. He's being taught these amazing magics, and here is me demonstrating that he is still a kid and is a bit thoughtless sometimes and fucks up. But it's not. It's just very othering. Not no, no not yeah. like othering is the wrong word. What kind like of like he's, alienating? Like, uh, yeah, other othering that is fine. Here. It's like it's a othering, but like upwards. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, probably yeah, a different yeah, word for that. Yeah. Elevating. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's the it's the flying too close to the sun thing, mm-hmm. or like flying into the sun. But it's yeah, it's in a way that he's like, oh, I know how this works. I mm-hmm. I can do this, uh, and then he's like taking too much. Water. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's like the Icarus myth, except he's fine. <laughs> but yeah, but that, no, that's also really important though, because that's that's a great part about the Icarus myth, right? This is this is exactly somebody misunderstanding. Myth is about like the guy who invented. the understand how dangerous they are like daedalus knows like daedalus made them and he goes you can't fly too close to the sun because i spent a lot of time working with this i know how it works right yeah uh, don't do this and and icarus doesn't know what he doesn't like have respect for the material doesn't respect it and that's why he dies right he doesn't listen to his father doesn't listen, doesn't understand the material so he dies right? it's a story about listening to your teacher and not listening to the actual material at hand whereas like quote is just like he's the one who like is, he's almost like the one who he was close to making the wings, right, himself, and still doesn't understand what's going on, right? He's, he's playing with fire in a way that's, like, really weird. Um, before we went to sympathy stuff, I, I sorry, before we go to Ben too much, I just wanted to bring us to one sentence that I thought was, or, like, one quick paragraph that I thought was really important early on before we get to the, mm-hmm. before we leave the waste zone. Is that all right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it's on page 49 or 50, at least in my edition. Um, my edition. So, okay, so I think we're, like, all on board with the idea that, Pat is obviously like inserting himself in here at various points, right? Like whether I mean, when you're a writer writing out a storyteller and a writer, like literally there are two characters in here that are like taking that sort of writer um, point of view. Mm. You know, you're obviously like self-reflecting a lot on what it means to be a writer, what writing is, blah 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 blah. blah. And so on the bottom of this page, we we have Quoth, Quoth saying, you know, uh, how he does what what his method is, right? So the chronicler shrugged. Most people tell me what they remember. Later, I record events in the proper order, remove the unnecessary pieces, clarify, simplify, that sort of thing. Quoth frowned. I don't think that will do. 
Chronicler gave him a shy smile. Uh, storytellers are always different. They prefer their stories to be left But they also prefer an attentive audience. I usually listen and record later. I have a nearly perfect memory. So this line of like, they prefer their stories to be left alone, but they also prefer an attentive audience, which to me was like so like important, right? Because this is a story about, like he's, he's, Chronicler is exactly right here. This whole story is about Quoth not wanting anyone to question any part of the story, like not wanting anyone to like change anything. <laughs> he has the full control of the story, but he also wants you to sit there and be a good listener. And if you're not going to be a good listener, he's going to tell you how to be a good listener. And I think that's what grades somebody the most throughout this story. It's not the bad writing because it's it, this is purple prose. A lot of this is purple prose. Uh, it's not the constant I I I I I I I I to the point where like I never want to hear a first person narrative again, right? It's it's not it's 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 and it's not even like the weird like uh, power fantasy stuff. It's when the story it's when the storyteller who in this case like is Quoth and I think kind of Patrick right is so convinced that they know the best way not to write the story, but for you to listen to the story, right? And so that's what these moments are doing. He's like, this is how you should be reading it. This is how you should be doing it. You know, they prefer an attentive audience, but they want their stories to be left alone. So this is what, what gets me annoyed because you have this, the, the quote stands out there, the Patrick stands who are like, oh, all these critiques, man, it's unreliable narrator. I was in second year English too, man. Like I... I learned that term and like as though that like means oh it's good then that's actually that means it's good like it because because of unreliable narrator problems are gone and like it's not unreliable narrator it is it's a narrator who thinks his audience is unreliable and that to me is what like like that actually uh -huh. like, rhymes at me. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah question does like I don't know if you've picked up on this Janosch in your extensive Patrick research but like is Pat fairly good at leaving his book alone, or does he suffer from JK disease? Like, I don't um, know. I I don't think he over-explains, like, I don't think he's, he, he has JK disease. Uh, I remember one clip that I shared with you, like, basically right after we recorded the first episode, where someone asked him the question of... Uh, Let's see if I can scroll up. Was it the which woman heard yeah. you that you based went and based Dana on her or something like that? Yeah, yeah, that was basically the yeah. What woman screwed you over so badly <laughs> that you came up with Dana? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, what he does in that video is first give a lecture on. Um, people always assume these things about authors that just because they have something in their story uh, that means that it's something that happens to them. And I hate that and whatever. And I hate that even though in this case, this is perfectly right. This is, <laughs> this is absolutely spot on. Mm -hmm. And then for the rest of the question, he, he deflects very hard and talks about an entirely diff different character that was inspired by someone yeah. he knew in real life and does not talk about the woman who screwed him over so badly that he came up with Dana. Yeah. I will say there's like a, an introduction to this one and it has like something from his editor, I think, about, and it says like, uh, Pat is a compulsive rewriter, which can be excellent, uh, an excellent trait. He wanted to work on the book until the very last minute. So I read nine drafts, the final of which was published after the advanced reading cop copy had been sent out. 
Though there were nine drafts, I knew I was shown a new version only when Pat felt he had made a meaningful substantive change in the text, and there were hundreds of drafts I never saw, and he was Mm -hmm. and is unlike any, any author that I ever worked with, admitting to being a contrary person who would go out of his way to avoid other people's suggestions, even if they were excellent. <laughs> so hey, I think what? he was a little bit obsessive about his writing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I can see that about him. Like, he does... I, I feel like it comes across less these days, but if... And I think that was kind of like the story you told last time, Summer, also, that... Um, I feel like you, you talked about this last time, right? That he... He had a persona in the, where he was very much like, oh, I'm the genius author. Yeah, that's definitely how he comes off. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, it's, well, because in this, it, what kills me though is like, I come back to this all the time. And again, I, I research and write on shitty people all the time. And like, I don't care if Pat's someone I would be friends with, right? Like that, like to me, because a lot of times, like, ah, oh, he's, he's a, Paying the asshole of himself is this like language that you use to describe somebody who you don't want to hang out with anymore? Like for me, but it's, it's like <laughs> so, like yeah, okay, I probably wouldn't want to hang out with Pat. Uh, but uh, I feel like these qualities make the writing kind of obviously worse, like directly worse, like like not taking suggestions and like being be, kind of being full of yourself in your own writing there, or like you know having DM brain where you have to explain like. Where, where you explain the world and your like your characters the people the, the play, people playing with you just have to go along with it sort of like weird power dynamic that that the brain sort of establishes um, no matter how weird or whatever it is um I, it, it just makes it so it's a story that feels like even if somebody didn't never play Dungeons and Dragons if this is your first like fantasy novel to begin with it just feels grating it feels it feels um doming and like and not like a, a sexy way right it feels doming and like a uh you know <laughs> leave me alone uh on the group chat sort of way you know mm-hmm. i will mm-hmm. say i've i've never played a tabletop rpg and i always wanted to so it might be that i was excited to have that experience with this book a little <laughs> oh bit. i i totally understand that <laughs> like and it's fun to play a tabletop rpg the- <laughs> yeah I guess the difference is that you're in there and and you're doing things. Whereas, but would it be true. fun playing it with a quote, with with Pat on the room playing quote? Can you imagine I've playing tried... a game with, like that? <laughs> the thing is... I have tried I mean, to yeah, DM fucking... like campaigns where people have been quotes, and it's yeah. unbearable. <laughs> it's like anybody who comes into a D and D game, like my character is kind of like a loner. Um, kind of doesn't work well in the group. Um, has this really tragic backstory that I'll message the DM halfway through the second session about, um, and then derail <laughs> everything. And I'm like, oh, I hate you. They call him. Yeah, when you when when you have a bard in your party, you have to be very cautious. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I will say I I have I do gravitate towards playing bards. I'm sorry about it. Um, That's a non cringy. I way think to you do can it. play it well. It's just. <laughs> You can play well a bard in a way that it's it's cool. There's just a specific guy yeah. that will play a bard. I mean, I think this is because you know I have watched. Uh, I hate to say this, most of the episodes of Critical Role. Um, I have watched Pat's um, being on fucking 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 the Penny Arcade video series that he did was one of the first experiences I had with D and D, and I was like, oh, this is what D and D is like. 
Um, and I'm looking back at it, I'm like, what the fuck was that? But, like, <laughs> he's very... He's sitting at a table, and you know that he expects... You can feel that when he ex- when he says something, he expects everyone to center their orbit around him um, for when he is doing things. You know, and he, you know he'll he's a decent player. He'll sit back and let other people do shit. Um, but like, it's very much whenever he kind of sits up straight, everyone sort of like immediately looks towards him and is like, "Oh, Patrick is going to speak now." <laughs> um, it's that kind of vibe. Um, I'm going to be real with you guys. I don't want to say one more word about Patrick Rothfuss's ginormous ego. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to... That's fine. We have a whole other podcast, podcast to talk I know, about that. I know. <laughs> um, we're talking in circles around Pat is like this. Um, and I would like to talk about the concept of um, doing brain push-ups that this book has. Okay. If we're talking about doing brain push-ups, can we please talk about Stoneheart? Because I'm, I'm, I'm baffled by Stoneheart. I'll be honest. Uh huh. Lady Heart of Stone. <laughs> Wait. Am I um, yeah. Wait. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, this brain, this brain, God, fucking Jesus. This book um, talks about sympathy and introduces concepts like your alar and. Um, other stuff but basically the concept is you think really really hard about it and thing happens and like I mean to be fair that's kind of most magic and fantasy but just like Pat adds layers and layers and layers and is trying to sort of make you believe that oh yeah if only you spend your formative childhood years doing weird brain exercises playing that Nintendo game that was brain training that everyone was playing in 2010 then the you'll be able the brain only uses 2% of its capacity so yeah if you take the Lucy pill um, then you'll be able to do stuff you'll be able to do sympathy and turn into a memory stick <laughs> that's what's gonna happen in book 3 yeah. turn into a memory stick <laughs> And then it's just Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> it, it's it, it's going to be so much more sympathy talk later, but I feel like that's what also kills me. Like, what at the core of every uh, annoying D and D fantasy story is like a kernel of something cool, and I think everyone ha- finds that kernel in different places. And that's but like sympathy. I, I did ask like sympathy. I think I think it's a cool like it, it kind of runs out like fun fact of the week story of. Like, did you know that coal is actually 25% gra- uh, you know, copper, which means that I can move this switch or something like that. Um, yeah. like some weird, like, but sympathy is, I mean, we're, and we'll learn more about the university. Like, that's dead-ass kind of cool, right? This idea of, like, I got to figure out how to link objects that are already kind of linked. Like, that's, yeah, I, I fuck with sympathy. That's my, like, Rothfuss uh, moment. I, I fuck with sympathy. Yeah, yeah. Reading, reading these books at, like, sort of an impressionable age, it kind of, tricked me into thinking well maybe i can tap into that and just started, uh-huh. like god god running my daily activities look like in a in a spectrum of like other uh magic systems i think sympathy is like pretty cool like it's you know if you think of something like harry potter you don't know shit about what the magic in that You're just speaking latin it's just point and yeah. shoot <laughs> 
Yeah. And that became like a big thing. So I I feel totally fine with uh with sympathy. I here's the thing. I think it's cool that it's often just like very confusing. Mm-hmm. Uh I kind of wish it were like I feel like if it were like 10% more, if it were 10% more absurd. Mm-hmm. It could be like it could be very fun. Like it could be like a hitchhiker's guide type of thing where it's like trying to break your brain brain on purpose. I feel like Patrick is not quite there. Well, no, because he's, but it's still fun. He takes it takes itself too seriously to do yeah mm-hmm. any it, that creatively. I think um, I I quite like it. I think it just takes me back to when I was at this party and a guy. I, was talking to this guy and I was like oh I, I like fantasy books a lot and he was like oh my god um have you read this book it's my favorite book ever it's name of the wind and I was like ah um no I haven't actually I know of it and then he spent the next 20 minutes talking to me about the magic oh system and, and we were stood up outside and oh no <laughs> oh, I, sorry. I could not get away <laughs> if only you knew about heart of stone at the time you could have saved yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I could have um I could have um, flipped the uh, emotion <laughs> switch in the Vampire Diaries and just turned all my thoughts off. God. Um, this is the explaining troll romance. Yeah. Because <laughs> sympathy, because it gets so many more like layers added to it and it becomes, you know, I do, I enjoy whenever a fantasy book makes a magic system be really boring because then like I can relate it to like computers which are boring but which are also kind of magic-y and I'm like oh yeah when magic is boring it's like oh real life boring magic and you know it's kind of it becomes cool when it's boring and then Pat also does a thing where he has another magic second magic system which is genuinely more magical because he couldn't be content with just one thing yeah the rest of the books like this as well but like Going back and reading the start of Sympathy whenever uh, Obi-Wan explains it in and realizing that, oh, it's just thinking really hard at the, at the, at the start of it, it's just think really hard. is really funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the, like, you have to believe a stone uh, falls upwards and downwards at the same time. I think that's very funny. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's a cool bit. Uh, what, I, what I like less is uh, at the point where he's like where he finally managed to like move a stone by moving another stone with sympathy and he's like oh it actually felt disappointing mm-hmm. I'm, <laughs> I'm having trouble believing that because up to that point he was like oh learning new things is the coolest thing in the world I love it so much it, it became my favorite pastime and I don't know if I could like move a stone but is, with my mind powers, I think that would be pretty poggers. <laughs> it, it, isn't it? Isn't but isn't it like uh, like not as much like it's heavy? Like isn't it more like it's a letdown because he was expecting like, like a one to one sort of thing? Am I, am I misremembering that? Like, and he's like, ah, it, it's I like think actually he was expecting weaker. it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think he was knowledge... expecting it to to feel more powerful, to yeah. to to feel the that that like rush of power. Yeah. Like his knowledge of magic up to that point was just the the big storybook magic. So he was like, "This is yeah. lit. This is super boring." Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, like I, I so... pick up a rock with with ten times the effort it takes to just pick up a rock. So so <laughs> yeah. Pat, Pat, I know you're listening right now. I want you to email me. Find my information. <laughs> it's online. Email me and tell me this if you when uh, when when you can. Uh, 
I am convinced that you are a big reader of Adam Smith and the theory of moral sentiments. Because let me tell you something. So sympathy, Adam Smith, it's this big sort of thing. This is like the guy who comes up with like the fucking, you know, invisible hand of the market, you know, all that sort of horse shit, early, early capitalist critique. <laughs> Guy. And he he's like, yeah, sympathy. That is like the, that is the fundamental, uh, uh, not emotion, but sort of uh, affect of of capitalism, right? Like like you, the whole market doesn't work unless you sort of imagine yourself in different positions and you are allowed like to be connected to each other through imagination and blah blah blah. And like I just find it no fucking coincidence. I'm just skipping ahead. Uh, sympathy is like the magic of like of mass production and like sweatshops right like like like, like later on there's this whole part in the university where there's just like this big workshop that's trying to like ch- churn out as many like magic sympathy lamps as it can and like you know to meet quotas and stuff and i'm like this is the one part i'm like pat are you are you like uh are you trying to do some some you know, political economy here is this some are you doing some economic uh critique is there like a is there something to this magic so pat uh email online find it uh let me know uh, if not, uh, oopsie doopsie. You know. Please get back to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, answers. I don't think it's. Uh, I think it's a deep fam. Um. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say. I doubt you might be giving him too much credit for that. Yeah, I, listen. I, 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 I don't want to give him any credit for anything, but I'm telling you, like it's, it's way too close. It's just like, like I pulled up the theory. Like it's just like when you read. Smith give these like definitions of like what sympathy is and why it's not an emotion, right? But it's like it's about the feelings of imagination and putting it like it just reads like Ben lecturing, right? It, re- it reads like this is what sympathy is, and this is like Adam Smith talking about like how the fucking market works, right? And, like and, and you might have like, like remembered that from school. Yeah, or he's, something. he's like, oh yeah, I've had a completely original idea. I have a completely yeah. original idea. I'm gonna have Obi Wan Kenobi lecture about capitalism. <laughs> Brilliant! You did it, bad. Listen, tell me one Kenobi lecture me about capitalism. <laughs> How do we like the Edemaru? The Rus. Oh yeah. Are they? Are they a sort of fantasy writing for um, Romani travelers? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, okay. I believe like, so. Yeah. It's a listen. If it's fantasy book, gotta have them. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> they're always there somewhere. I feel like they don't really get talked about too much. They're just sort of there as like a vehicle for a lot of the plot, but they don't really seem to get much into it. Which, you yeah. know what? Yeah. I don't mind that so much because usually when fantasy books do tend to get into that kind of thing, it becomes incredibly racist really quickly. Uh-huh. So exactly, I, yeah. I don't mind that it doesn't spend too much time on it. Um, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so like I... I um. Because if I, I remember right, or if there's, there's there is something about like later on about like the demo because like Quoth's mother, I think like a spoiler alert. Uh, stop listening now. Or I think Quoth's mother is not. I forget this in the second one. Is not a demaru, right? And she gets like seduced by like you know Quoth the elder and brought away, and she's like some other thing. Yeah, um, I mean they so, like, they say this at some point in these. Yeah, they say this at some point, and the demaru. I think I think there it was one of their people who ended up starting the blue man group or something i it, it, it's implied <laughs> that that's what happens and, and i'm just sort of saying like there's there seem to be like in every not every fantasy world but in a lot of fantasy worlds that have races like one or two races that are like objectively like better right like just the just like you know they they're the ones who produce the cool like gods of the world they're the ones who produce the like you know sexiest people they're the one and i get it like mm-hmm. like 
Christian quotes hyping up his own, you know, his own people. Like I get that. Like you know, you're 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 like yeah, I'll fucking you know, go Liverpool or whatever. But like, uh, I like this this uh, um, this to me, it just feels like um, it doesn't feel like hyper problematic. I don't want to say like oh, it's whatever. I think this is just like another one of those cases of like, I don't know, man. Maybe we should just stop like constantly having our our traveling bard who everyone's racist to and thinks is like stealing all the time and who like are actually kind of seducing lords and ladies and and like producing yeah. like, big bad guys like maybe just not have them be you know romani travelers for for one book right just just one right like, like just give us like yeah. a, just give a break you know like it, it's not yeah. i don't think it's problematic it's just boring as hell and like well yeah and like, it's that's that's why it doesn't it, like it doesn't bother me because I don't like it's so kind of part of the furniture of fantasy that I'm I like I do not see it I'm not even looking away I just don't see it <laughs> yeah same but yeah I, I do agree it's it's a little bit boring to have your I don't know because he's like he wants Quoth to be good at everything and he wants him to be so he wants him to be like a guy who guy who's artistic and you know knows music and acting and all that shit yeah and also a science guy yeah every kind of so, guy at once yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and i guess he does like a ranger backstory when he's in the the woods yeah and, but like yeah there's kind of no other place that Kvothe could have like come from. It's like his whole his whole deal having been like, oh, um, Kvothe has stolen princesses from sleeping Marrow Kings. I'm a really good storyteller. Yes, I was a theater kid when I was six years old. Like, no, it, it's a gamers. It's that gamers post of like, I don't have no life. I have dozens of lives. And it's like, you know, <laughs> like, oh my god, endless lives. He's such a gamer. <laughs> yeah, he is like the if if a theater kid was also a gamer, which is people I have known. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wanna. It's God. He does give off some like rancid theater kid energy. Like, I think there's a good type of theater kid energy. Like not all theater kids are bad. I I will push back against that. But that kind he of... is the type of theater kid where I was where you like clearly noticed that the like female members of the theater group were uncomfortable <laughs> around them. Mm. I, yeah. I feel like there's a part where Coat implies, or somebody implies that they're, he's going to be telling the story with like a little bit of like flair to it, almost like Big Fish style. So it's possible that there's like a lot of stuff that he's saying about himself that isn't really true. Sure. <laughs> like maybe he, yeah. didn't, he didn't really know what was going on for a lot of things and he's just giving his own like mm-hmm. adult perspective mm-hmm. as he tells the story, it's very like, possible. I can give like a just a, a quick little. So like, uh, I just finished teaching uh, Paradise Lost, right? And there's this funny section in Paradise Lost where Eve wakes up and she sees herself in the pot pool of water, and she's like, "Man, this is one hot babe. Like, who is who's this fine looking?" And then God comes over and says, "Let me introduce you to someone else you might enjoy." Introduces her to Adam. And she's like, "Nah, I like the babe in the pool better." Goes to turn around. <laughs> And then, like Adam comes up and and and, and you know talks to her, and she likes him. Um, and Eve tells Adam this story, right? 
But later, Adam's talking with his, ba- with his pal Raphael, who comes down to talk with him. And he's like, yeah, uh, I, when I first met Eve, she turned around because... This is an example of like uh, an unreliable narrator being interesting because you know what they're leaving out, right? And so what they're leaving out actually makes it... You learn more about them by what they choose to leave in and leave out. When everything we know, like period, comes from quote or bass going like, oh, that sounds pretty cool, daddy. Like, like, (laughs) when that's it, then there's nothing interesting about the unreliable narrator because even if we acknowledge the potential that like Foth is lying about something, there's no way that we can learn more about his character because we don't know what parts are the lies. We don't know what parts are being left out. And like, yeah, like that to me is like a huge, like, not not a problem, but it's just like, I feel like, yeah. It's going to have know. to be I addressed think... in the future at some point. Mm. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but then it's like in book three. So it's, I don't know, it's tough to make an argument about how things in, especially if we're just going to talk about this one book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what was I going to say? <laughs> what are we talking about? Unreliable narrator. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just wonder because... This this goes back to like the overall feeling that we we've been discussing to death about how Patrick's writing is just just a little flavorless, um, and it goes back to not to talk about him as a person, but it goes back to us discovering on on who watches the watch slowly that he just seems to have seems to be like a pretty boring person with boring tastes, <laughs> like just in general, and I, I feel like. I, I I just kind of wonder if the ideas of unreliable narrator could have been presented in a way where it's like more stylized or where it comes sure. across better that we're not supposed to believe everything he says. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> Maybe just have like one of the characters like Chronicler or Best constantly be like, wait, is did you really do that? I, I mean, know. like that. There's a couple of moments, happen. yeah. It kind of is There's like a few that. moments. That Sorry, somewhere. No, I was just saying the same thing. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I want to um, touch yes. on uh, uh, women. <laughs> I always wanted to. Yeah, women, yes. But, um, I. This is the elephant in my notes as well. Um, <laughs> so um, the 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 kind of thing that first got my eyebrows to raise uh, when I was reading this was. Uh, page 54, which is chapter 8, and the title is Thieves, Heretics, and Whores. Yeah, um, let's go. And it's like... <laughs> <laughs> um, the, 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 the pairing of those three things in, into one phrase, um, I think, groups them together in a sort of moral judgment. Um... And especially just the use of the word whore, um, which mm. does come up a, a a lot of other times, actually. Um, I I wrote down a few. There's, I think the one that comes to mind for me is whenever uh, Kvo's dad is talking about um, yeah, always call a yeah blacksmith a blacksmith. Uh, but always call a whore a courtesan because oh she w- she doesn't want to be reminded of the horrible job she has like that's paraphrasing but like that's what he says yeah. he's like oh obviously this woman would never want to be doing this 
she, she this is a horrible thing for her to have to be doing so we have to respect that yeah he um, says he says as my father used to say call a jack a jack call a spade a spade but always call a whore a lady their lives are hard enough and it never hurts to be polite but in your head you're still uh-huh. going whore well why do you think their hard- lives are hard bit yeah well you're well, being well, like this okay. I, I will say like in this context of like medieval religious heretic town Maybe I I I feel like it's not the the best time in history to be a sex worker. Like I'm not, I, I I might I might be like yeah maybe 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 uh, uh quote's father has a point of like there are better and worse jo- times to have this job. That's I, I, I'll I'll I agree with you. The whore thing is like a weird part, but like yeah, I don't know. It's um I wouldn't want to be a, a like sex worker in medieval Venice. That's just me. It's- by by like suggesting that it's all bad though they've mm. like sort of just yeah. increased the stigma on like oh you you have to have negative feelings about this which is just like a simple you didn't even need to say it yeah <laughs> like, i mean there's, yeah. there's the bit as when he's listening to the boys who are like beating him up in the alley and one of them's making fun of the other one's mom and saying oh she's a penny whore and he's like don't talk about my mom and he's like iron pennies and it's this like it's just it's just an interesting flavor to the to the text um, it's like an assumption that um sex work is always derogatory exactly and can only yeah. be derogatory yeah um, and like you don't like this this is the thing that we uh, say because like georgia R. martin also does a really bad job yeah. at sex workers it's actually kind of what uh, this reminded we, me of <laughs> Yeah, and, and and on a sober, we say we like we're like always saying, well, you put that in your book, George. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like th- you can't be like yeah in in uh, vampire times, um, people like being a sex worker wasn't great. Okay, but like you you still like this is still a fantasy world that you're making, so right. you know mm-hmm. you don't have to make it like that. Hmm. And I think I think the See the, the the other thing that like um I was interested in is the Telu Telu myth um that gets yes. told towards the end of this chapter because wow imagine being interested in the Telu myth. oh I'm not I cannot remember <laughs> was... a single thing that happened in it oh no oh same no me too which is why I'm, I'm and I'm kind of confused about what it was trying to tell us because um yeah it has. I don't know if we're meant to agree with Telu or not because I think this book is full of Patrick's like I know not to bring him up again but epic atheism. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and, like, we, 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 all, we all the phrase euphoric atheism is that is that the we all know what that I, that's my favorite way to describe it the like the euphoric what did you say? the euphoric atheist the the atheist it's like that, that it's that old Reddit model of like the the r slash atheism like. Wow, I can feel euphoria in such a way that like my Christian mom can't because I have accepted that there's no God, right? Like, like yeah. I, I am experiencing a higher level of joy because I am an atheist. Like that level, that, that that's what it strikes me as. Like the euphoric, yeah. I am unbounded by your rules. Anyway, sorry, can you mention that? No, it's, it's okay. I, that's kind of exactly it. And it also has like the little jabs about the priests who try and lure him into the church to say the prayers, but because of the rumors he's heard, he doesn't do it, which is sort of, oh, so it's Catholicism. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, there's like the, the bit in the myth where, oh God, I have to reread this. Um, the Periel, like, like Mary figure 
um, <laughs> is like uh, the only good person. And Taylor's like, okay, what can I do for you? You are the only person who's good. And she's like, can you help out my neighbor, um, please? Because um, her husband beats her um, all the time. And he's like, well, she sleeps around. So uh, it, the, the, they're each other's fitting punishment. They're both wicked and the wicked should be punished. And it's like, I don't know if we're meant to agree with Tellu as the thing, because mm. then Periel's like, well, it's not their fault. The world is full of hard choices. And then, but then Tellu was right in the end. Because <laughs> then <laughs> they have a Jesus baby together, um, who is, I think, meant to be a close parallel. Um, and then, I don't know. And then there's the Uncanus bit. And I really do not remember how this myth ended, but I think Tellu's right. <laughs> in the story so I'm like oh so it, it was the case that the uh, woman and the man who was like the woman was sleeping around and the man who was beating her they were equally bad okay it, yeah. it makes me think of that Star Trek episode where they have that society where if you do any crime no matter what it is they just kill you <laughs> <laughs> it's just really True. simple keep it simple yeah <laughs> Uh, it's like in like in the great video game vampire the masquerade bloodlines where if you like the cops are gonna shoot you even if like literally shoot you dead even if you're like at an employers only area <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the amount of crime you need to do i will god not to jump ahead too much to the telu myth but i will say i uh listened to the audiobook of that chapter while I was like walking to the tax office oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's appropriate but, and, but like I, I had already like listened to half of the chapter before and then I started listening to it and I remembered or I noticed I don't remember anything about what this Telu myth was up to that point <laughs> so I like went back to the beginning of the chapter and listened to the entire thing again and I still don't remember what it was yeah it's it's very like oh we're in a fantasy world and there's gotta be some lore so i guess i'll write some lore yeah and i don't i fucking i don't know maybe in book three the lore will pay off who fucking knows <laughs> i was gonna but say it's... like i think the lore parts of these books like definitely are the boringest parts in the reads that i've been doing yeah they like, just don't there's... have any relevance to the plot as far as we can tell so, i just that's interesting this... to hear you say because i was like i have to read this six times because I, this is gonna be important <laughs> later <laughs> yeah. you see i mm -hmm. mean may maybe so but we'll all have forgotten by the <laughs> yeah it's like the thing that was very very clear to me reading the start of this book is that there's so many things and it's like they they there's they feel like they're setting up things like mm -hmm. the fucking spiders that we've not even talked about those spiders that are there yeah. for oh, like yeah. which are which are 100 percent samurai jack spiders we're all in agreement there they just, the aku like <laughs> knife for hand spiders hell yeah i'm nodding um <laughs> can killer anime when um no don't fucking, it's just like ah, that was a joke don't don't do it <laughs> yeah i, I mean it is the monkey's this book is about as good about women as like your average anime is yeah. um I have some more things to say about women later, but like, there's so much in this book, like the spiders thing, like the Taylor myth, like I don't fuck, a bunch of other stuff that is like very seems to you be just... setting up things that will pay off later on, but they don't pay off in this book. They don't pay off in the second book. Like just whatever, even he's... like Bast, like who the fuck is yeah. Bast? We yeah, no idea. like he's a fucking little satire, and he fucks. That's all. I don't fucking know. I'm like. 
even in the in the copy pasta where he's like, I have stolen princesses from sleeping Barrow Kings. Like, fucking, what the fuck is a Barrow King? I don't fucking know. It's been two books. Can you please pay some things off? And like, there's just, I'm just like hanging here. It's a king of a Barrow. It's, a, it's, it's also a, worth mentioning. Yeah, sorry. I, obviously, of course. I gotta not know. <laughs> It's also worth mentioning, I didn't even notice it until this time around, but there's like, just put in really, really quickly that uh, they say that, quote, like the older version of him is, quote, certainly not yet 30, not even near 30. So we can only assume even at his oldest, he's still like early 20s, which is really funny. (laughs) Like imagining him just like all sullen and like owning a bar just 21 years God, old that's a mood though <laughs> that's the I mean, yeah. <laughs> maybe he is older though like maybe bass is gonna turn to him like in the third book and be like damn so you've you've told us this whole story like how old are you anyway and he's like i'm 58 i just moisturize <laughs> oh no it's oh let it, all right Pre- third book prediction he's gonna tell the story third book we're gonna find out that like this happened 300 years ago or something like <laughs> some just stupid shit like that like that would be cool uh, yeah Quoth actually got fucking, no way that would happen um shot in the head on the first page and this is all happening as the final synopsis of his brain neurons fire off but genuinely if if this book was like 30 percent more stupider i would love it like i it's was just... gonna say just go off the rails i'd love that yeah <laughs> So yeah, I so I was saying, I think what I was saying is that the reason that the Taylor myth is boring and that a lot of this book is boring is because it never pays off and yeah, never yeah. means anything because yeah. there's no book three. But even even book and like even if like not to bring up a song of ice and fire again, but like <laughs> no, do it, do it. In that book, the lore parts are like some of my favorites. Uh, but that's because like every every single like lore thing ties into the characters and how they interact with the world like religion lore for example will be very important for a lot of characters and will say a lot of them or a a ton of like the ancient myths like there's gonna be like Rhaegard who was like very obsessed with prophecies or whatever so like that's gonna matter like you know all this all this lore stuff is is gonna be it pays off. Very important for the characters. And even if the book is... Like, even if The Winds of Winter never comes out... <laughs> no, it will. It's just, <laughs> it, it will come out in this year. But, like, <laughs> hypothetically, even if it never will get a full payoff, it's still, like, at least intriguing enough because of the way it determines the characters. And in this one, I just... You know, the whole Telu story felt, like, very disconnected. It... Well, people... Related to, I guess, to the character who told it, but like that that chapter ended with, uh, and that was the last time I ever talked to Travis. So. <laughs> this is, yeah, it's exactly what we're talking with um, uh, Song of Ice and Fire and, and the whole Game of Thrones thing. In that, in those novels, people actually believe the religious beliefs, right? They, they, yeah. Like, Pat, like this is when I say, like, when I bring up Pat, I say, like, Pat, feels like you fork atheist. What that comes out in the character is like. Most atheists don't believe. Say mostly, whatever. A lot of atheists believe that like people don't actually believe this stuff. They just want, they just use it for some reason, you know, because it's too depressing to face the real world or some tragedy happened, and that's why they're religious or blah blah blah, right? Mm-hmm. And like that's the thing. Like in Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, it feels like these people believe in 
this religious stuff. That's why it's important to understand what the religion is. In this book, it feels like uh, it's just some we do, and uh, some do some church. There's some priests who like molest children, and uh, but, yeah, we just kind of deal with it. Like that's 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 not fun. That's not cool. Yes. Um. Uh. Hey, how did we like the speaking of women? How did we like the bit where he saw like his father kissing his mother, and he was like peeking to learn some tricks for when he will have to interact with women? Could could not be me. I lo- I liked the bit where he was watching them make out, and he was like, "Ah, oh, educational. I will watch. I will stay and continue to watch." <laughs> so but, uh, he loves to learn. One of the notes. Um, so, sorry, the one of the notes that I have about women is that the entire vibe of this book that I get is that women exist so that men can love them and Yaz, Queen women are amazing and but like it doesn't they don't feel like I don't think Pat knows their people you know well, what about the mm. what about the um, like sexy contortionist lady who's part of their troop? And then when um, Uncle Ben is leaving to get married, she gives him a, stri- uh, a, a lap dance. What about her? I'm huh? Sure. <laughs> <about> her? <laughs> checkmate, That's completely checkmate, different. I mean, next time you open your mouth, think about the contortionist. Okay? <laughs> yeah, sorry. But can you tell me? Tell me the name <laughs> now of Quoth's mother. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he's rude. Her father's a, his father's a demo. She's rude. Done. Uh, like, <laughs> d- does anyone know this? Could, no. could she have a name, please? His dad's called Carl. Uh... Dad's the greatest bard that ever lived. Uh, he's from my last campaign. Um, I played him <laughs> up to level 10. <laughs> and so there's that. And the other yes. note that I have is that going back to some wasted in shit and Chronicler comes in and is like, oh, Chronicler is like, oh, I know you're close. Tell me your story. He's like, no. And then Chronicler is like, oh, but I heard there was a woman involved. And like, Kvo's eyes start glowing and he starts levitating <laughs> off the floor and he's like, I will tell you my story. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's literally the thing that makes him go sicker mode is like, the, the the mention of the gender of women mm. and like that's the fucking inciting incident or some shit basically yeah that's why there haven't been very many female characters yet because he just goes sicko mode <laughs> like yeah. one of one of my favorite quotes from this book hasn't even come up but it's just like quotes saying you know what this story is missing women <laughs> and it's like halfway through oh, the yeah. book yes king yeah <laughs> Feminist. We oh. haven't even gotten there yet. He's just that. But he's just that like one drum and bass song that's like, we need some more girls in here. <laughs> Do you know the one I mean? I, I'm, I'm no. no. <laughs> it's like too many man, too many man. I would love to learn about this. <laughs> that one drum and bass song. Also, I, I think it'd be interesting though, like to, to see what. Pat does when he does bring in women, right? Like, I, I like, because the university... Oh, it's going to be great. I, I, I'm interested to see, like, like, not Denna. Denna, I think he's going to be, like, you know, if we, if, we have, if we want to, we do a whole fucking special episode on Denna. But, like, uh, the university days, I remember there being, not not the, like, sexy mob boss, uh, not not her, but, like, she. I think Quoth has two women friends. And yeah, wow. I, there's I also the, the library girl. Yeah, the library, library girl. girl. 
Uh, and there's another girl, I think. And I remember them being there's the the strawberry chill. blonde. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I remember them being chill. I'm again. This is we're rereading it to see, but like, I'm interested. To, like, I, I want. I want to really put a pin in them, like when we come across them, to kind of uh, keep an eye out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For sure. Um, we are starting to speak about things that may happen in the next yeah. read session. True, true. <laughs> so I'm, and also we've been going for like an hour and a half, mm-hmm. um, which is actually yeah. less. We haven't talked at all about the like time. Then I thought stuff. the who? Yeah. <laughs> Do we want to talk about uh, Charles Dickens mode? Oh, what? The... It's nothing. It's nothing to me. Like that. <laughs> Sorry it's to go off on this, stuff. but all the tar beam stuff was like the most boring stuff in this, uh, in these <laughs> 188 pages. I I have nothing on that. Like it's just a little depressing. <laughs> as yeah. always, I I quite like the vibe. I or not that I specifically like that vibe, or I I just I like that there is a vibe. Yeah, I like um, little street urchin stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, so do I. I just wish there was one here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, there's no specific thing that I'm drawn to. I'm just like, oh, wow. Wow, cool street urchin. (laughs) But there's nothing shooting over my head to look at. Yeah. There's a guy who takes care of the kids. um, Oh, do... Is there anything... Because there are these two, like, disabled kids that are in there that yeah. Pat tries to deal with sensitively, but I don't think succeeds. I oh, don't know if anyone has anything to say about they're that. Just, oh, these are just, I mean, again, my take, these are just prep for his his uh, later, um, I guess we can call her disabled character, her, uh, the one he wrote the whole side book about. Um, oh, you know, Ari, yeah. These, these, I mean, like, so keep this in, these characters in mind, because I think these are like the prototypes for his big, you know, urchin dweller under the um, traumatized urchin dweller under the uh, sewers of the university. So, um, yeah. Okay. Um, me. Okay. You know what? Okay. Sorry. I I don't want to sound like I'm gonna hand anything to Pat. <laughs> um, Please don't. Which I'm I'm not going to. But like I can't. The the two like disabled kids or is it one? I can't remember. Like it's like it is vaguely interesting to see how um like disabled teens what happens to them in like fantasy situations. I'm like I'm nodding and I'm like okay, vaguely interesting. Mm. And then I forget about it. Yeah, I had yeah. forgotten about it. <laughs> it. It doesn't really go much places. <laughs> it, it is sort of yeah, sicky for it. Um, like it doesn't really connect to anything. It's just sort of there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I feel like like this is this is a general thing. I feel that I feel like. Uh, I guess we mentioned it, but so many things in this book are just there. <laughs> <laughs> like that's... It's a book that's simply vibing. Well, yeah. So if I, I mean, I, 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 we can keep talking forever, I'm sure. Um, but I, so earlier on, I mentioned sort of Pat has these lines about um, writing and what writing is. And I kind of want to propose like one, one way that I read this novel, right, is it's, it's not successfully done, but it's a novel that's like about uh, 
reflecting on the process of storytelling, right? It's kind of very bad at it, but mm-hmm. it's re- that's like what it's really, really interesting. We're interested in, and it, I think you know, if I'm being kind to Patrick, uh, it's like there are parts of this that feel like you know, storytellers sometimes tell parts of stories that are like boring or, un- or irrelevant or sort of like it's just quick little things. But I um I really like how this section ended actually, and I wish we saw more of this. So far that we read this on the end of twenty five. It's like one of the last lines to go where he goes, you know, both uh, sat back in his seat. He's about to start telling the story again. He goes, I needed to be reminded of things I had forgotten. I needed a reason to leave. It was, the, it was years before I met someone who could do these, do those things. It's not a chronicler before I met Scarpy. This sounds like it could have come from an interview, like where Pat said this himself. Like, I needed a reason for both to leave. Like, it's like, where did this character come from? Where did this event come from? <laughs> I needed a reason for this to happen. And so the, I, I invented this character. I came, and this is this is how I began to write it. And like, these are the parts where I feel the meta parts, the parts that really feel like uh, uh, it's a commentary on the problems of drafting a story, of writing a story, of what the writer of the story is when they're trying to be a listener as well, and uh, that whole that whole back and forth. It seems to be the most interesting, right? Like that th- that stuff is sort of cool. Right, I needed the idea that Quoth is thinking of his own life as a story. Why did I leave mm-hmm. Tarbine? I left Tarbine not because of X, Y, and Z, but because something happened in the story. That's that that that's kind of cool, and I just keep feeling like I'm being left out in the cold, right? Because it just never is smart. It's cool, it's, but not smart. It sounds like this is a if we were to, it's more interested in its own meta than its own substance. Yeah. It's like, Pat Rothfuss is like, oh, I fucking love burritos, but it's just given us the shell. <laughs> Does that make any kind of sense? Oh, I skipped like, like five levels in that metaphor analogy. Yeah. It's an incredible metaphor, I love that. <laughs> do, do any of you, uh, are any of you Blind Guardian fans? I used to be, used to be a big metalhead, I used to be no. a big power metalhead. And they did this whole um, concept album on... on uh, the Cimmerillion, but they have this one song called The Bard's Song. And it's this kind of cool song because it's like all about this, like, you know, it's a power metal song about like bards being cool and singing and, you know, but nobody knows, you know, nobody knows our names, man. We sing the old songs. And like, it has a good vibe to it. You listen to the lyrics and it's really cringy because it's just like, we are the unsung heroes because we're singing the songs and, you know, the Bard's Song will remain. And like, Pat, I feel like, is just so up his own ass about telling a story that he forgets to actually, like, tell a story. Tell one? Right? He forgets to actually tell one. He's like, oh, man, this story's going to be hype. And then just doesn't... It's just, like, all anticipation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about how I'm going to tell the story, and start, but there's no... It's that jinx. It's... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is a kinky book. It's a kinky <laughs> book uh, full of... Oh, it's Kink Killer Chronicles. <laughs> I'm sure no one's ever made that joke. Uh, also, spoiler for everyone. End of book two, still no dead kings. Uh, book three has like at least seven major things that has to come. Like, like, bait. <laughs> and, uh, Unless, see, you know what really bothers me is because like I probably will fucking buy it and read it. I guess, I guess we'll have to. <laughs> like, I guess I will have to now also, now that I'm on this podcast. Like, I was not gonna, I was not, wasn't gonna ever finish book two because that, I really hated that one. 
But now that we've spent so many hours talking about the King Killer Chronicle, you get one. Uh, I, hey, you, I feel you, like uh, I will have to buy the Doors of Stone. I just hope it's like 200 pages and it's just like loose ends <laughs> being tied and that's it. I would I would respect that so much. Like if, yeah. <laughs> if Patrick does some end of Evangelion <laughs> shit, I, <laughs> I will take back every criticism I've ever said. Yeah, uh, um, um, right. No, I. Uh, um, uh, what, final I just to, things. You know, yeah. So I this is your to, final thing. This is my final thing. I, I, <laughs> final I, I, say. I, I ramble a lot. Yeah, sorry. Um, but um, no. I think I think uh, one thing I find I find just very very funny is is I mean we all sort of brought it up over and over again. Is that like like we want you to tell a regular story. So I'm, like we want you to tell a story. Like tell us about the street urchin kid expand on that tell us about the traveling kit expand upon that tell us about the wood range okay expand upon that and like it's i think we all really just want to read a fantasy novel that can be painted by numbers and like that's almost like an interesting part of exactly what i said earlier it's the edging part one of the most interesting parts thus far is the fact that he keeps denying us the anything that looks like a complete story um even a complete arc right there's uh, and i and i find that actually kind of interesting that's my final yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As long as it pays off. Yeah. <laughs> I wanna, I wanna, as a parting thought for me personally, I just want to say that there is a character in this who's mentioned in like two sentences called Crazy Martin, and I want to know more about him. <laughs> yeah. The one person I could like actually vibe with. Yeah. <laughs> He's just out there growing barley. God. I love that for him. <laughs> it's like my first note. His oh, tell me more about Crazy Martin. <laughs> uh, Please, I would just love if, like, I don't know, like, if if this was a little bit, if maybe, yeah, maybe this book would benefit a bit of Crazy Martin. Like, that's really like besides all the like all the criticism I like all the all the genuine criticism I have of this book could be hand waved away if this book was like a little crazy or a little stupider. But (laughs) (laughs) really, like, my biggest complaint is that it's just too flavorless mm-hmm. mm. yeah i think if um i'm again looking at a part of my notes that says this book is a pinterest mood board of phrases <laughs> and aesthetics yes <laughs> and like that's why that's perfect yeah just like unfocus your eyes and just let it in yeah it's, it's a really nice like it's a really nice tumblr gift set like the graphic design <laughs> on this tumblr gift set is amazing but like I'm googling, I'm trying to find the movie it's from. What's the story here? And I'm, I'm not finding anything. It kind of makes me think of like hiking, where you're like, "Yes, I'm gonna go look at the mountains," and you get there, and you're like, "They sure are there. I can't interact with them." <laughs> yeah, it is like I will also say because, as I said, I listened to this on the audiobook, and I'm not a big audiobook guy because a lot of times when I listen to an audiobook, I'm like, I need to pay more attention to it than I'm able to. Uh, but this is because of how, like, uh, how much of it, it, it is just, uh, if it is a Pinterest mood board, it is also good to just have, have it on because I know that I don't have to pay that much attention to it. So for that, it's like a perfectly fine book. See, so yeah, a lesson learned. Read this book, never pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's bad and I like it. 
Which, yeah, like, I, I've never paid attention to anything in my life. It's a good book to me. <laughs> I, I just always wish I was reading another book. I wish I was reading a Pratchett. Yeah. I wish I was reading Anderson. I wish I was reading, you know, just, just, I wish I was reading Le Guin or someone who's like, and that, I think that's distracting to me as well. Yeah. Like, man. Yeah. And you will, you will read another book and then you will like, like how much better that, like we will read uh, fucking Lords and Ladies on our, on our other podcast soon once the watch TV show is over. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited to read a good book. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick is, Patrick's gonna make Patrick's done the great service of making other books seem better, and that's honestly a legend, a martyr, yeah, <laughs> greatest writer to ever live. Amazing, we stand. <laughs> Let's hand it to him. I'm fuck. Uh, <laughs> so, um, uh, tidy up, tidy up. Uh, who wants to? Who has things they want to plug? Um, I know Yana should Lucy do. Mm-hmm. Um, we do the podcast, uh, Who Watches the Watch, um, uh, which is about, um, as we may have mentioned once or twice in this episode, uh, Terry Pratchett, um, a better author, um, <laughs> in books that are, sort of take themselves less seriously. So, um, And also we're watching The Watch at the moment, so... <laughs> You're doing it. We're doing it. The title yeah, of the I show... Yeah, I will say, The Watch TV show, less good than this book. Damn. <laughs> I think, Suffage. Yeah. Cop media. It's the first four episodes are fun, and then it goes downhill a lot in the next two. And rip. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You plug that one. I'm also on that. I also do a song of babies and puppies, which is about uh, another book I mentioned a few times, uh, a song of ice and fire. Where we're currently reading a storm of swords. It's a pretty good book. You've got brands. You got to keep strong. So yeah. Also check out the the other podcast I do, Lynchpin, where we just did an episode on season on the first half of season two of Twin Peaks. But um, we have not yet gotten to the really insane second half of that season, but I'm very excited for that also. Uh, summer pluggy things. Uh, yeah, the only thing I'm really working on right now actively is I'm actually doing a little RPG sort of thing on my Instagram. So if you wanted to like play along with it, it's just like in my stories and you can find me at Sailor Sun there. Other than that, we're taking a little bit of a like small hiatus from Podcavages. Uh, but if you wanted to listen to my other podcasts, it's my Podcavages where we just rewatch Avatar The Last Airbender. That's me and my partner Noah. And that's pretty much all I have to plug. Hmm. Hell yeah. Uh, Daniel, you haven't suddenly manifested online projects since the last episode, have you? <laughs> no, I, I, I have not, but I'll, I'll plug uh, Yu Miri's recent novel, Tokyo Ueno Station. Very good. Read that novel. It's really nice. It's short. That's my plug. I'm a <laughs> Yu Miri stan, so. Oh, shit. We have that book downstairs. My flatmate has been telling me to read it. Maybe I will read something. I, I, um, I felt sad in ways that I was happy to feel. <laughs> Damn. Imagine a book that makes you feel things. Fuck. I can't I after can't reading this one, I'm not sure I can anymore. <laughs> but yes, as I well, first of all, I'm Sarah, Sarah Mc Costumes. Uh also I'm selling uh speaking of Twin Peaks, I'm selling Twin Peaks scarves and hats mm. on my website, oh, which is Sarah McClintock. They're so beautiful. Dot com forward slash netwear. I'll I'll put a link in the description. What's, what's the, um, what's the uh, website again? sarahmcclintock.com S-A-R-A-H-M-C-C-L-I-N-Talk um, 
yeah, buy my products, uh, support my ability to pay rent. And as I did not mention at the start of this podcast, because I didn't listen to the last episode and I couldn't remember how I introed it last time, so I just didn't, we have been Kvothe Killer Chronicles. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you for uh, helping us roast Patrick Rothfuss. Thank you for listening in the exact way that we told you to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um... Memento quote the <laughs> <laughs>